0: That can be our hearts as we open up the Word of God this morning, uh, just to bow our hearts and uh, bow our knee before the Lord Jesus Christ and lift Him up. Uh, Let's take our Bible to Psalm 139, Psalm 139. Uh, This evening, uh, I'm going to continue uh, while we're going to start this morning, uh, but we're going to uh, just uh, look at uh, the first part of the psalm here uh, this morning. If you'll stand with me, if you're able to, Psalm 139. Uh, and let's uh, read together here just a portion of God's Word. Psalm 139, a Psalm of David, uh, the Bible speaks of here. Uh, o Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. Thou compasseth my path and my lying down, art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, Thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. I want to skip down to verse number 14 and we'll come back and fill in details. Verse 14, here David said, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well. I want you to look at verse number one, and this statement, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. And I just want to title this this morning, God Knows Me. God Knows Me. God Knows You. He knows every detail of each and every one of us. No wonder we ought to bow the knee. You'll join me this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we so need Him, and let's ask uh, the Lord take some time just to yield our hearts. Father, thank You for Your Word this morning. I thank You already. You've been so good. You've met with us. and Lord, we've just sensed Your presence. Lord, as we look into Your Word this morning, we need to hear from heaven. I pray that today You would be our teacher. Lord, we're always mindful as we open up the word, uh, the importance, and so grateful that you know every heart, you know every thought, you know every need. And I pray this morning you would minister at the very point of need. And God, that you would be uplifted and exalted today. And Lord, help us not only to hear the word, but to be doers of the word and to put into application today that which you give unto us. Lord, will give you the honor, the glory, and the praise. And we pray this in the precious, wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. And you may be seated here this morning. I mentioned here earlier that in our adult Sunday school class, we've been recently looking at the doctrine of God. And this is very important. And your, your biblical foundation or your doctrinal foundation really establishes who you are and what you become, and ultimately your eternal destiny, your eternal direction. And I I have a biblical worldview. I believe in a God that made everything from nothing. I believe in Genesis chapter 1, verse number 1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth and all of it was planned by God and it's not an accident. Uh, I believe that this God is before time and before space and before matter. Uh, the God of the Bible is eternal in the heavens and the Bible speaks that He simply spoke the world into being by the power of His might. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11 verse number 3 tells us through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made by things or th- of things which do appear. Uh, Hebrews 11 verse 6 tells us but without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is. And that's a foundation for your life. But not only that He is, but that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. And the Bible gives a wonderful promise to those that will come and seek the face of God. As we look at the Bible, the God of the Bible is almighty. He's infinite. He's holy. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's everywhere present. He's everlasting without beginning of days and without end of life. He's sovereign. He's in total control. He's above all. He's over all. He's king of kings. He's lord of lords. He's president of presidents and governor of governors. Uh, he is perfect. He's perfect in love. He's perfect in holiness. He's a God of love. He's ever-merciful, but he's because He's holy, He's a God of of wrath that must judge and deal with sin. The God of the Bible is beyond comprehension and beyond explanation. In Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9 uh, we read the prophet, he said, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways. Higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, Psalm 8, as the psalmist looks at the heavens, and he sees the stars and the moon that God has created, and he sees that God is so much higher than man, the psalmist says, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Now, Psalm 139 applies really what we might say the doctrine of God. And the doctrine of who God is, Psalm 139, applies this doctrine to our personal lives. Uh, In this psalm, David is meditating upon God. And I believe with all of my heart, the more that we understand of God, the more we know of God, the more that we will do as we heard in Psalm. the more we will bow our knee before God. The more we understand who He is, His greatness, and uh, the more it ought to cause us to love Him and seek for Him and to want Him. Now, in Psalm 139, uh, the psalmist David considers the nature and the divine attributes of God, the characteristics of God, and he applies those characteristics to his own life and to each of us this morning. And it's a tremendous encouragement when we really begin to comprehend who God is in light of who we are. So I'm going to examine this morning three of the characteristics or the attributes of God's nature and I want to apply them to our lives this morning. And I think it will be encouraging to us. In verses 1 through 6, we read these verses. We read here that God is omniscient. And what that means is God is all-knowing. He is absolutely perfect in knowledge. God has all wisdom. He knows everything. There is not a math problem but what he cannot solve because he created math. There's not a science experiment but what he does not know the answer to it. There's no fact of history that is hidden from his eyes and for that matter there's no future fact that is hidden from God. He has a bird's eye view. God has been in eternity past, and He knows all things from eternity past, and He knows all things in the present, and He knows all things in eternity future. Now, when we speak of the omniscience of God, it's infinity in relation to intelligence. When we say that that God is all-knowing, He's all-knowing. There's nothing He doesn't know. Uh, He knows every star of the sky and they tell us that there are billions upon billions of stars. He knows them all. He placed them all in space and he knows them all by name. And I would tell you that he knows the mass of each star and he knows the location of each star and uh, that's infinity. It's mind boggling because we're limited, we're finite but God is infinite. God knows the names and locations and details of over 8 billion souls upon the earth today. He knows every birthday and He knows every destination and direction of every single individual upon the face of this planet. He knows of your life the number of cells in your body. And He knows the number of hairs upon your head. He knows you. And that's what David said here in Psalm 139. He says, O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. And he considers the truth of God's omniscience in his own personal life. And so he goes on in verse number 2 and he says, God knows my actions. He said, Thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising. God knows where I am and what I'm doing. When I sit down, God knows that and when I rise, God knows that. Everything I do is known by God, whether it be good, whether it be bad. I I can't be sneaky with God because He knows it all. I, I was remembering Andrew, our oldest, when he was just a little boy. We'd been given a box of apples, and he was just learning to walk, and we had the apples out in the garage, and we made our way one day out to retrieve some apples and noticed that every single one of the apples had a bite out of it, okay? He was pretty sneaky with us, but I would tell him that God knew all about that, and then Benjamin back there in the sound booth, I'm going to get on to you, Benjamin, and uh, he was just a little boy, and uh, our other kids were selling candy bars uh, in the Christian school. And uh, we went, one day it was quiet, and when it's quiet with little kids around, you know something is up. And he found out that the candy bars were located under the bed. And uh, he had pulled out the candy bars, and several wrappers had already been uh, taken off and bites out of candy bars. And so we had to buy quite a few candy bars. Okay, he was sneaky. But you can't be sneaky with God because God knows my actions. I might hide from my parents, and I might hide from my pastor, but I can't hide from God because God knows my actions. God knows my thoughts in verse number two. He says, Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. God knows every thought. Even before I think them afar uh, uh, off, I can't hide my thoughts from God. Now, uh, according to the Bible, my thoughts are extremely important. You perhaps heard this we, we sow a thought, we reap an action. We sow an action, we reap a lifestyle. And in the book of Proverbs, it's put to us this way As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. I am what I think. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse number 5, the Bible tells us that God wants to bring every into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. God wants his word to come into our heart and to cleanse our very thought life. And do you know God holds you accountable for your thoughts. And you say, well nobody knows what I'm thinking. Yes, God knows what you're thinking. And He knows your thoughts afar off. God knows my direction. Notice in verse number 3. that compasseth my path and my lying down. And not acquainted with all my ways. Now, my path, it's the direction or the way of my life. In Proverbs or Psalms 1, verse number 6, "...the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish." And it states here, Thou art acquainted with all of my ways. See, God knows the desires of my heart, and He knows the direction that my life is taking. Uh, God knows when I become backslidden or cold in my spiritual life, even before I know that. God sees that. He can see the direction, uh, my attitudes. He knows the motives. He knows whether I'm serving for His glory or selfishly. And God knows the direction and the choices that I make of my life and He can see the choice that I make and He knows the outcome of that choice. He knows where that choice is going to take me in the end. And ultimately, he knows that to reject Jesus Christ is an eternal choice of eternal destiny away from God, separated from God. And, And to receive the wonderful gift of salvation is a choice that leads to heaven. And God knows the direction, the choices, the outcomes. And I'm thankful. I was reading this and I was so thankful for a decision as the Lord was knocking upon my heart. Uh, as a young boy, to follow Christ. And my life's verses became, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. And oh, what a blessing. God knows my direction. He knows my paths, and He knows my ways. Uh, In verse number four, He knows my words. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Even before I speak, God knows what I will say. And God holds me accountable for my words. And very important, you claim the name of Christ. Your words are to reflect the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every word is known of God. Wednesday nights we've been preaching through the book of James and we arrived this past Wednesday night in James chapter 3. James chapter 3 speaks about the tongue and this tongue is just a little little piece in the body and there are no bones in the tongue but this little tongue is like a fire, it's like a match and a match and a fire can cause a whole forest to burn. Or a fire can warm your food and warm your body and be a blessing and your tongue can be a blessing or your tongue can be a cursing. And the Bible says here that God knows the thoughts, knows the words, and He holds us accountable for them. Now, as I look at this, what a comfort this can bring. It's it's a challenge, but it's a comfort. Look in verse 5. He says, Thou hast beset me behind And before, and laid thine hand upon me. You see, because God knows everything, it it brings great comfort. Do you realize this morning? God knows every problem that will ever come your way, and every danger that you will ever face, and every need that you will ever have. He knows every sickness, every loss, every difficulty. We often say this: nothing can come your way except God allows it in your life. And I think of of Job in the Old Testament and Job didn't understand what was happening in his life. He's a godly man. He loved the Lord and the Lord allowed some things that had to cross the, the desk of the Lord he allowed some things in Job's life. Job lost his possessions and he lost his reputation there for a time. And uh, though he was a godly man, it was nothing that he had done, but others uh, mocked and laughed at Job. And uh, so many things came into his life and God allowed that. And it's evident here in this psalm that God had full knowledge of that and even laid his hand upon Job and through the end won the great victory. Still wonder, look in verse number 6. It's no wonder, David said, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It blows my mind. It's high. I cannot attain unto it. David faced many difficulties, and yet when he came to realize God knew all about it, what a comfort it brought into his life. God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. Nothing hidden from God. Now we pick up in verse number 7 and through verse number 12, and God is omnipresent. Now when we speak of being omnipresent, it means that God is everywhere present. Uh, omnipresence is infinity in relation to space. God is everywhere, He's immense. And then there's an application of this, a very challenging thought in verse number 7 as David considers the omnipresence of God. He said, Whither shall I go from thy Spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. I can't escape from God. I can't run from God. I can't hide from God. When the Spirit of God convicts, I can't escape that. I can't run from that. I can't get away from what God is speaking. Jonah, Old Testament, discovered this. God said, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh, and I want you to preach to the people of Nineveh. Jonah did not like the Ninevites. Jonah said, if I preached to the Ninevites, they might repent and get right with God, and God would no longer judge them. I want God to judge them. And so Jonah fled from the presence of God, but you can't flee from the presence of God. If you look on a map, he went the opposite direction towards Tarsus. He found himself on a boat, and God knew right where he was. God sent the storm. Jonah had to confess how he had rebelled against God. And you know the story. Jonah was thrown overboard, and God knew right where he was even then. God had prepared a whale who swallowed Jonah, and God still knew right where Jonah was, even in the darkness of the whale's belly. God knew where Jonah was. See, that's the omnipresence of God. There's nowhere I can go to escape God remember years ago, God was dealing with my life, and uh, I, I was on a fence line. Uh, I wasn't doing what God wanted me to do, and I knew that. And I found myself in a place that I knew did not honor God, and the thought came to my mind, what if Jesus were to return right now? I'm saved, but I would be so, so ashamed to stand before Jesus right now. It was a challenging thought for me. I knew I could not escape from God, couldn't run from God, couldn't hide from God because He's everywhere present. But in this, there's a comforting thought. Look in verse number 11. He said, If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. Now David, you study his life, faced many dark days. I'm thinking of of, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 30. David had become an outcast and he was an outcast before Saul, fleeing for his life from Saul. He went down to the land of the Philistines and was going to help them in a battle and the Rulers of the Philistines said, no, David, we don't want him to go. And so David, not even wanted by the Philistines, so he's an outcast in his own country, an outcast to the Philistines. And then he arrives back to Ziklag, where his family supposedly had remained, discovered that enemies had come and desecrated his city and taken the wives and the children captive. And now his own men rise up against him and talked of stoning David, an outcast to his nation, an outcast to the Philistines. Now an outcast before these men. But the Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. Those dark days were not hidden from God and God was very well aware of them. And it's evident as you look at the life of David that in that darkness God was present in that dark hour of David's life. I want you to keep your place in Psalm 139 so well illustrated for us if you go to Genesis 16 in the life of of Hagar. I want to read several verses. In this particular passage, Hagar is pregnant with child. Sarai dealt very harshly with Hagar. We pick up in Genesis 16, in verse number 7. It reads, And the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way of Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarai's, Maid, whence camest thou and whither wilt thou go? And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Return to thy mistress, submit thyself under her hands. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and shall bear a son. she shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. And he will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man, every man's hand against him. He shall dwell in the presence of his brethren. And she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her. And I want you to look at this. Thou God seest me. For she said, Have I also here looked after him? That seeth me. Oh, what a God. It's a dark hour of Hagar's life. She's fleeing from the presence of her mistress, but she cannot flee from the presence of God. God knew right where she was in the darkness of her life. I was thinking back, and God has brought this to my mind so many times. My first day on college campus. I remember leaving Estancia early Saturday morning, driving east toward Oklahoma. I was so lonely. I didn't know anyone. Uh, It's a Saturday. I didn't know the town where I was going. I just followed directions, made my way, checked into the dorm. In the dorm, there was nobody. My roommate had not arrived yet, didn't know who he was going to be, but didn't know anyone. There I am that night alone in the room. I remember thinking, God, tomorrow is Sunday. I need to be in church, but I don't know where any churches are located. I spent some time that night praying and just asking God for help and direction. Went to bed that night. I woke up early the next morning. There were two young men outside my door talking about where they were going to go to church. And it was as if the Lord dealt with my heart, there's your answer. I went out and I spoke to those two young men, introduced myself and said, I'm looking for a church. I heard you talking about church. Can I go to church with you this morning? And that was the very church for four years of college where God placed me. Now they didn't end up in that church. But that's where God wanted me. And I realized that night, like Agar, thou, God, hearest me. Thou, God, seest me. I can't escape God. You see, the darkness of that hour in my life was light to God. I couldn't see, but God saw me. And he sees you this morning right where you are. See, God is omnipresent. You can't get away from it. Now let's give one more thought here as we look at the characteristics of God. God is omnipotent. You're going to see this in verses 13 through 16. Now when we speak of being omnipotent, this means that He's all-powerful. The God of the Bible is unlimited in power. God can do anything that He wills. See, God's omnipotent is illustrated in creation. God made everything from nothing. He simply spoke it into being. And what a beautiful world that God has made. The plants, the animals, and the variety, life, the mountains, the rivers, the oceans, the sun, the moon, and the stars. They declare the handiwork of God all about us. What an amazing world, everything in order evident. This is not an accident. Our very atmosphere, the perfect arrangement of gases for life, the right balance of oxygen and nitrogen and hydrogen and God put it all together and this planet earth, the right distance from the sun and the very tilt that it needs and and the rotation of this earth and the ocean that God has given perfect solution of salts to bring cleansing and everything perfectly in order, balanced, no mistakes with God the omnipotence of God. David makes an application of this omnipotence to his own life. You'll see that in verses 13 through 16. Let's, let's just read it together. David said, Thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret, curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. Do you realize every person is an example of God's omnipotence? We're made by God. We're made in the image of God. We're made for the glory of God. We're given life by God. You're not an accident. Verse 13 again reads, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. You were in God's plan even before you were born. Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse number 4, he says, Before thou formest me in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb I sanctified thee and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. And Jeremiah says before I was even born I was in God's thought and God ordained my life and made me to be a prophet unto the nations. Here's the problem with abortion. Life begins at conception and life is God's gift and man made in the image of God. You are a miracle a testimony of the omnipotence of God verse 14 I will praise thee David said I am fearfully wonderfully made marvelous are thy works that my soul knoweth right well you're an amazing person your brain is the best computer that's ever been invented your nervous system that God made uh, 600 miles of blood vessels in your body you're you're a miracle Uh, not an accident Uh, The way you're able to think and to see and move your hands and your brain tells your hand to move and uh, you're able to speak and God has created in your life a miracle. Verse 15, he said, My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret. Curiously wrought in the lower parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance. Uh, Before science knew about DNA, God told us about it here in the Bible. And in thy book, all my members were written. That's God's DNA of your life, which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. So many details God determined about you. You didn't choose your parents. God did. Many people are bitter at their parents today because they don't understand that God gave you the very parents that he wanted you to have. You didn't determine who your siblings would be. You didn't choose whether you would be the firstborn or the lastborn. Uh, Brother Abel was number 21 born. You didn't choose your position. God chose that. You didn't choose your race. See, my conviction is Acts six seventeen verse 26, And he hath made of one blood all nations of men to dwell on the face of the earth. We all go back to Noah. We all go back to God. You didn't choose your personality. Some of you are like a golden retriever. Some of you are like a boxer. And God chose the personality, your very physical features, whether you would be tall or short. And if you're short, all of the worry that you can have in your life is not going to add one cubit to your stature. Because God, by your DNA, determined that. He determined what color your hair would be and He determined the physical features, your eye color. He determined those things. Do you know that God determined your gender? That's not up to you to change. He had made them male and female. And I would say if God made you to be a male, be proud of the fact that God made you to be a male. And if God made you to be a female, be proud of the fact that God made you to be a female. And be content with who God made and what God made of your life. Your mental capacity. God determined that. And some of you are very smart and high IQ. And some of us are pretty low IQ. But God determined that. See, God's omnipotence is display in your very existence. And it all God made you. Special. There's nobody else like you. Nobody else can be you. Nobody else can have God's purpose for your life like you have. Be grateful for who you are. David said, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully, wonderfully made. Be surrendered to God's will for your life. God who made you knows what's best for you. And you can never be content or happy until you are in the will of God for your life. And by the way, the will of God for your life would involve, first of all, knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Let Him have His way with thee. Go back with me, Psalm 139, verse 1. David said, O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. God is all-knowing. He knows all about you. God is everywhere present. You can't escape Him or run from Him. And God is all-powerful. He can do anything that He wills. And right now, to apply that, He knows you now. He knows where you are. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what you need. He knows those that are saved, and He knows those that are lost. He knows every sin of your life. He knows everything that you've ever done or ever said or ever spoken. And yet He loved you, and He commended His love towards you, and that you were yet a sinner, and He went to the cross and died for you. Isn't that a wonderful, amazing love? It's beyond my comprehension that God would love me. Uh, I know who I am sometimes, and it's not good. But God knew me, and he loved me. He knows you now. He sees you now. You realize he's right here? Not by accident that you're here. Not by accident that he brought you here. Not by accident that he knocks at your heart. and that he pleads with you. And he's willing to forgive you and save you willing to help you if you come humbly before him. He has all power. You know the, the little poem, Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty took a great fall. And all the king's horses, all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again, but there's a Christian version of that that speaks about a God that knows you in every detail and what the king's horses and king's men could not do, the Lord Jesus Christ could do. He's eternal in the heavens. He's holy. He must deal with sin. He's not going to let you get by with sin. He's a holy God, and He judges sin. He must judge sin, and to reject Him is to face the consequences of that sin. But the Bible teaches that He is willing and merciful if you humbly bow the knee to Jesus. We heard that song, didn't we? Bow the knee. He's high, lifted up. He's omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent. Bow the knee. With every head bow.